please stand. Come walk with us. Come walk with us. Come walk with us. Come walk with us. Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He was not made known to them in the breaking of the bread. What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here in these days? What things? The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief, chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. He is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. 
But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and they, found not, they did not find his body there. They came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. Stay with us, because it is almost evening. <clears throat> so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Good morning and welcome to chapel. Today we will be focusing on journeys and the encounters we have along the way. Elisa is going to light the Christ lamp and as a reminder of Christ's presence in our lives. Now we invite you to encounter each other in the passing of the peace. Okay, now that the peace has been passed, let's stand up and turn in your hymnals to 546, guide my feet, 546.
Rhodes, our chapel speaker for today, has been teaching at Goshen College since 2001. He mainly teaches Spanish classes, but he has also dabbled in the education department as well. In 2005, he started the Peru SST program and even served as interim director of SST for a year. While many students experience Dean's passion for teaching, those who go on, on him with him go with him on international May term courses recognize his love of traveling and learning about other cultures. He also loves soccer and any outdoor activities, all of these which contribute to Dean's de desire to experience the Camino de Santiago, which he will share about with us today, um, and the encounters that he had on this journey. Now let's warmly turn our attention to Dean Rhodes. Muy importante, I could talk for a long time, but I'm given 20 minutes, so. In April and May of 2013, I walked 500 miles to go to church. You may possibly think that I was crazy, but for 34 days, that's all I did. I walked from southwest France to northwestern Spain on a Christian pilgrimage called El Camino de Santiago, the Way of St. James. It's a pilgrimage that ended in the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, where supposedly the remains of St. James, the Apostle, lie. The chapel committee uh, gave me a couple choices for talks, and I said, well, just choose whichever one you want, and they chose Dean's Long Walk. And I guess it was a long walk. Um, I googled the U.S. distance calculator and discovered that I walked a bit further than the road trip from Goshen to Kansas City, Kansas in um, 30 days. 30 days of simply putting one foot ahead of the other. 34 days with two days of rest on two different occasions, so 34 days of remarkable experiences that I will never forget. The cha chapel committee also asked me to share mi encuentro con Dios, my encounter with God on this pilgrimage, and so I hope to convey to you in these short 20 minutes what I found out about myself, what I found out about God during this time. And even though a year and a half have passed since this experience, I find myself daily reflecting on that time and still find it difficult to put into words and even to understand completely what happened to me on the, on the way. April 4th dawned chilly and raining in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, a picturesque village tucked away in the French Pyrenees. The sign read 800 kilometers. 500 miles to Santiago. And I knew enough about rain in the valley that it often turns to snow in the, high, in the higher elevations, and that is what I had to go through over the next few days before I came out on the other side. But the rain was actually insignificant to what was going on in my head and my heart. I was very excited as I finally began this journey after having literally spent a couple years planning and one year of intensive physical training to be able to complete the walk. 
There would be many physical challenges, I knew that, and so questions, especially the, la the night before I actually got to France in my hotel room in Madrid. Um, I didn't sleep very well. Can I physically do this? Will my 60-plus-year-old knees, feet, back, ankles, shoulders hold up under the weight of my backpack? Will I be lonely walking alone? Who will I meet along the way? What if I get lost? What if I get robbed? What if the pilgrim inns are full and I don't have a place to sleep at night? Words to the song that we sang this morning, guide my feet while I run this race. More appropriately, guide my feet while I walk the way, gave me comfort as I early on came to rely on a greater power to see me through. I was also filled with a lot of emotions. Many people had walked this way, literally millions of pilgrims had walked this way since the Middle Ages, 850 specifically, AD, when people started walking. Saint Francis of Assisi, a famous Catholic saint, walked this way, as did Charlemagne, Napoleon, um, the valley that I was walking in that first day was the scene of many advancing and retreating battles between Christians and Muslims over the years. It was a tough, exhausting, cold, rainy, then snowy day, but I was continually inspired by the images of saints cheering me on as they applauded my efforts from their vantage point in another realm. Start slowly that first week. Let the Camino, both physically and spiritually, come to you, because it will. And it did. Words given to me by a pilgrim the night before who had already completed the journey, and we were talking. About the only thing I actually remember on those first few days was that something fell from the sky for eight days, either rain or snow or, or drizzle, hail. Something was falling on me. Um, as I walked, and eventually um, rain changes to mud, snow changes to mud, and I um, recall telling someone that first few days that I can't even think about noble or spiritual thoughts like I thought I was supposed to do because I'm continually trying to figure out where I'm going to put my next step, my next foot, without falling. But the rain eventually stopped, and we had 25 basically nice days. So where did I meet God along the way? I divided my talk into three different sections. The first one, in the silence. There was nothing more enjoyable to me than the days when I walked literally for hours and talked to no one. Some of you might find that hard to believe knowing me, but it was true. I talked to no one and I sometimes didn't even see anybody. On several occasions, I would go for hours with not seeing another person. On most days, uh, there would be a, 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 um, a choice between getting from point B, from point A to point B. Um, I usually took the option less traveled. It was often more the more ancient way, um, the more isolated way, the more mountainous way, the more forested way. Um, many pilgrims were content to take the newer version of the Camino, which meant cement and straight, and I chose not to do that usually. So for many hours of many days, the only sound I heard was my own rhythmic breathing, 
the crunch of my hiking boots on the gravel or the dirt path, birds singing. I especially found the Gran Meseta, the six-day trek across the vast central plateau of Spain, covered with cereal crops, grassland, to be for me the most enjoyable part of the whole experience. I found it incredible to believe when I would run into pilgrims later on who said they got bored after one day on the Gran Meseta. They jumped into a bus and crossed the remaining 100 miles. To me, they missed the most grand mystical experience of the silence. I listened daily for the cuckoo bird, which I never saw but always heard. Most days, I purchase a sandwich in a cafe as I started walking and stick it in my backpack and save it for lunch at about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. One day, I spied a large haystack about 200 meters off the Camino, and I slipped behind it out of sight from the few pilgrims that were walking. I took off my boots, my socks, and I laid down in the warm sunshine to simply enjoy God's creation. It was bliss. I did this on most days, not oftentimes behind a haystack, but um, occasionally in a woods off the path. Um, one time in beautiful Spanish heather that grows in the mountains of Spain. It was on these long, quiet hours when no one was around, I could clear my head. I could think, I could pray, and yes, there were even days when I sang. I was never really lonely, although I missed my wife, my children, my family, but I discovered that God can speak to us in silence. The profound sense of intercalm was evident in so many ways and was so restful to my soul. The cacophony of modern life was gone, and I miss that aspect of the Camino daily. I discovered that prayer can simply be listening in silence to what God is saying to us through our thoughts, through nature, through beauty in creation which was all around me. People, I discovered God in people. Now I just said I enjoyed the silence, it was life-giving for me, but I also enjoy people, as you all know. We all need people around us, and I too encountered God through the people that I met. I enjoyed immensely talking to local Spaniards who were herding cattle or goats or sheep or the young farmer who scrambled off his tractor to open a gate just as I was passing, potato farmer who stopped for lunch just as I was passing. When they discovered that I spoke Spanish, they were immediately open and curious about where I'd come from. Ah, los Estados Unidos está muy lejos. Um, and they were curious about what life was like in the U.S. Um, I also met interesting people from every part of the globe. Some days we'd walk together, speaking either English or Spanish, whatever they could speak. Um, more enjoyable for me was the evening pilgrim suppers around a common table with people we had never seen that day, perhaps, or again, people that we ran into every, other, every few weeks, we'd run into somebody again. It was most enjoyable to sit around the supper table 
and talk. I quickly came to understand that people on this journey were very different than the average person that you run into here in Goshen or in a park in the U.S. wherever. Conversation would almost immediately cut right to the chase. We'd find ourselves talking very quickly about simply things that you don't talk about here with people in the States. Spirituality, God, mysticism, why are you walking? What brought you here? We're all common topics of conversation. I'd like to tell two stories about two men in particular that meant something to me. If I have time, three, but I'll see if I have time. The first was Carlos, a cultural Basque from the northern region of Spain. We talked, or we walked for probably 10 days together. Um, we stayed in the same inns at night. We shared many things about our families, our work, our lives. He was a retired jeweler. He was 67. He was rich. He was very wealthy. Uh, one day as we were walking, he simply stated out of the blue that he is not a religious man anymore. He had grown up in the Catholic Church of Spain, but for many reasons had left the church as a young man and had not been back. But he told me he decided to walk the Camino just to see what he could experience. Um, he said he was touched in ways that he wasn't expecting to be touched. He was surprised that he found himself praying daily as he walked. I inquired a bit more about what he was praying for, and he said, I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but I feel the need to, call, to speak to a higher power. Slowly as the days evolved, as he let loose of what was going on back home, he began to experience the Camino experience, for me, it was God in a way that he was trying to figure out. When I asked him what he prayed for, he said his, his wife, his family, his grandchildren. I said, those are the same things that I'm praying for. We forged a bond that yet today unites us across the miles and our different cultures. I met another man, Johan, a Dutchman. It had been a long, hard day. It was, I was walking in the light rain that never quite quit. Um, it was hilly, we were getting back into the mountains, a lot of ups and downs. I was suffering from shin splints. Any of you runners out there know what shin splints are. They were very painful. I had spent about two days, a week or so earlier on my back, icing them, leg in the air. It was not fun. But I was back walking again with minimal pain. Anyways, we came to a town that evening. I came to a town, I was walking alone that day, where I was planning to spend the night, only to arrive at the pilgrim, at the end of my choice to find out it had been burned down. Um, so I didn't know what to do. It was raining, I was cold, I was tired, I couldn't walk another step. I didn't want to go back to the inn that I had just passed a few kilometers earlier. Um, I noticed a man in front of me who seemed to kind of be in the same predicament that I was in. Uh, he was walking down the street in front of me I pulled out my soggy guidebook and saw that there was another inn another few blocks away. So we met each other in the intersection. He said, where is this particular inn? I said, I think it's to the left. And he agreed, and we both turned down the next street to find the inn. As I thankfully limped into the dry, warm uh, inn, albergue, I noticed the dreaded sign uh, that I had been afraid would one day be, a, be, um, be there, which had never been there before. Completo, 
full. No room in the inn. I asked the young man behind the desk, what were my options? And he said, you can go back to the first inn that you crossed, or there's another one eight kilometers down the road. I said, oh, I can't go that far. Um, there's a hotel down the street, more expensive, of course. Um, the Dutchman, who I wasn't paying much attention to, suddenly realized that I spoke Spanish, and he kept saying, what's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> Translate, what's he saying? Um, I told him the options, and without thinking, he just said, would you share a room with me tonight? Expenses, of course, shared. And something I wouldn't have done three weeks earlier, I said, sure, no question. <laughs> I'll share a room with a complete stranger that I had never seen before. An hour later, after a long shower, dry clothes, resting on our beds, Johan began to talk. Here I was, a Mennonite pacifist. Johan, a big, boisterous Dutchman, who turned out to be a retired colonel from the Royal Dutch Air Force in Amsterdam. Strange bedfellows. The common question was again voiced by Johan. Why are you walking? What are you doing? Why? And so I gave him my standard answer. As he began to talk, I immediately noticed his reasons for walking were far different perhaps far deeper than mine. He, like many I met on the trail, was an agnostic, but he felt drawn to this Christian pilgrimage to heal the ache in his life from the death of his only daughter to leukemia two years earlier. I had come to see men openly weep on several occasions, frequently, as we talked, why they walked to lessen the pain of a wife who had died from cancer or the pain of a wayward son and the hopes that he would come back to the family. As I listened to Johann's story, as I saw him struggle with his emotions and the raw grief that he still felt for his daughter, I could not help but be made aware again, as I had been in the past, of the common humanity that binds us all. It does not matter where we are from, if we are a devout Christian who is confident and assured in knowing the way, or it may be someone who is struggling to make sense of life and God and the purpose that they have being on earth, we can all help each other lessen the burden as we share the deep emotions common to us all and the emotions that make us human. I'll never forget Johann. Even though we only saw each other briefly one more time, I don't know how I experienced the rest of the Camino, but I only hope he found the peace that I found as we journeyed along. I also found God in the churches, the houses of worship, the Christian symbolism along the way. From small medieval chapels, hermitages, monasteries, convents, to grand, spacious, magnificent cathedrals. I was reminded as I would visit and enter and often simply sit in the silence that each building, each stone, each cross, each soaring cathedral represented the timeless desire 
of human beings across the ages to express their reverence and their understanding for Creator, for their Creator, for God, as they understand, understood him or her to be during the particular time period in which they were living on earth. Cathedrals were built to tell a story. Most people could not read or write in the Middle Ages, but they could appreciate stories in the form of art. And so the medium used to tell stories to convey the good news of the gospel was evident throughout the cathedral and in the magnificent altars that adorn each cathedral. I found Catholic cathedrals extremely inspiring and moving for me. I attended a mass whenever I could. I was a Mennonite, I am a Mennonite, I didn't understand everything, but nonetheless, every chance I had, I'd duck inside a church or a chapel and participate if a mass was going on. One evening, I will share with you one outstanding evening with a Vesper service in the beautiful city of Leon in a small convent next to the cathedral. The service was conducted entirely by nuns, uh, nuns who still wore the traditional habit. As these women, many of them really old, they, I almost wanted to get up and help them walk because they looked so creaky and teetery. Um, they came out to take their place in the choir loft along the main altar and I again was moved by their reverence and devotion as they sang, as they read scripture, and as they prayed. It was a mystical moment. The final mass was conducted in the cathedral at Santiago de Compostela, my final destination. Every, ma every noon, there was a traditional pilgrim mass for the people who have attended or who have arrived in Santiago the 24 hours before. So there were lots of tourists there as well as we, several hundred of us pilgrims. Um, they have a ritual there that every day somebody before the homily will get up and read the country and the number of people from that particular country who arrived in the preceding 24 hours. Um, when the reader said, de los Estados Unidos, dos peregrinos, I wanted to stand up and say, yes, I was one of them. Um, I felt a sense of accomplishment, a keen appreciation for having had the experience, but also a sense of sadness that the pilgrimage that I planned for for so long was now over. As I reflect back on this time, as I contemplate these encuentros con Dios, these experiences, I am reminded that they will ever be with me. I will, they will forever be a part of who I am. I would like to close with the powerful prayer that St. Francis of Assisi, who went before me by nearly a thousand years on this pilgrimage to the tomb of St. James, gave to Christianity so many years ago, and yet is still so powerful today. Let's close with prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console.
to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Um, now is our sending song. We will be singing Sizo Hamba Naye. And just a quick plug. Um, Friday, there is a bonus convo uh, for homecoming weekend, and that starts at 10 a.m. Come hear some uh, fantastic alumni of GC come speak and all that. Cool. So if you all stand and sing the sending song with